Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice verse 8, and, and when Satan is finally released after a thousand years, what is he going to do? Is he going to give up and say, Lord, forgive me, I've been a fool all this time, please forgive me. What is he going to do? No, he's so bent on evil. He cannot change. He will not change. And he's going to go out to deceive the nations, in verse 8, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is the sand of the sea. Hi, everyone. We're so thankful that you could join us today for Truth in Christ Radio. After Satan was released, we learned that he gives it one more attempt and surrounds the camp of the saints and the beloved city to do battle once again. We don't know if these saints referred to here are glorified saints who reign with Jesus or earth inhabitants who came to faith in Jesus during the millennium. Either way, the strategy of this vast satanic army is clear, to destroy God's people and the headquarters or capital city of his administration, Jerusalem. We will learn that this is a short-lived battle. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Put in the abyss for a thousand years. Hallelujah. Now when the thousand years have expired, notice in just one verse we've already gone a thousand years. Satan will be released from his prison. Again, there will be people born during this thousand-year reign that will maintain their natural bodies, and they'll still need to make a decision concerning Christ. It's going to be a great time for the church and those who are redeemed, but there will be people that will still have to make decisions about Christ during that time. And longevity of life will be the standard because the curse will be lifted to some extent or to a greater extent. We don't really know the full extent of that, but the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 65 that that even for a child, for a person to die, even at a 100 years of age, because the curse will be lifted, will be like infant death syndrome. That's what it will be like because the longevity will be restored. Right now, we may live 80, 90, 100 years if we're doing really well. But in the millennium, somebody who dies at 100 is going to be like an infant. They just started, and now they're dead. It's going to be very unusual. Isaiah says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and set their fruit, and eat their fruit, excuse me. And that's pretty significant. And notice, but remember, the church, during the millennium, we uh, will have our resurrection bodies at that time. 
And based on what Jesus said, we'll not be given in marriage. So I'm assuming we won't be having children. There'll be plenty of other people having children. Our role will be different then. We'll rule and reign with him. So you may ask, why was Satan bound for a thousand years? Perhaps for the very reason that Regardless of where you've grown up, regardless of your environment, whether you grew up in a great environment or a not-so-good environment, whether you grew up in a world that was dominated by Satan or in a world that was dominated by Jesus Christ himself, the propensity of man is to always choose evil, regardless of what environment you're in. Do you see God making a proof of that in the the millennial reign? He will be on the throne, and probably David uh, working with him in some capacity, King David. But he's going to prove to all that it doesn't matter whether we live now where the prince, the ruler of this world, Satan, we have a decision to make. What decision are you going to make? And then we can also have an environment where Jesus is reigning, and yet there'll be even rebellion then. It will be quickly snuffed out, but there will be rebellion at times. That's why the Bible says that Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. See, man is a rebel at his heart. It says in Romans 8, uh, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I want to please God, don't you? I don't want to be a rebel. Even as a Christian, I can be rebellious. I can allow my old nature to come up like a seething volcano. Have you ever seen those volcanoes? They get real nervous, you know, in in Hawaii when they see some of those volcanic mountains, they start to smoke at the top and they're like, oh, what's going to happen? The lava is just bubbling underneath the surface. That's like our old nature wanting to express itself. And thank God for the Spirit of God who comes and he puts a lid on it and he says, As long as you allow me to be Lord, I'm going to keep this old rascal under wraps. I'm going to sit on him. And I'm not going to allow him to express his ugly, woeful self. Have you felt your old nature bubbling up? Happens on the highways, doesn't it? Happens with your kids. Happens with your spouse. Notice verse 8, and... And when Satan is finally released after a thousand years, what is he going to do? Is he going to give up and say, Lord, forgive me. I've been a fool all this time. Please forgive me. What is he going to do? No, he's so bent on evil. He cannot change. He will not change. And he's going to go out to deceive the nations in verse 8, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is the sand of the sea. We read about Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. But let me suggest to you that this battle here, this occurs at the end of the thousand-year period. The battle that's in Ezekiel can happen sometime, either it could happen at any time. Some people think it's going to happen after the rapture of the church, that this battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39 is going to occur. We don't really know exactly, dogmatically, when that battle is going to happen, but it is very different from this battle that we're looking at right now. Ezekiel's battle is very different than this one. This one's going to be over like that, because God is not going to put up with it. He's going to deal with it swiftly. Some point when we get, we'll get there, we'll look at the differences at some point of these two different battles. But they're two separate battles. But he's going to gather together the same characters. And it'll be easy, because they've already got a heart bent on rebellion. And never before in history has these players... Right now, 
as Russia and Iran. They've never been bedfellows. They've never been confederate with one another. But now for the first time in history, folks, these two players, the main players in this battle, in Ezekiel's battle, they are confederate. And it, won't take, it wouldn't take very much for them to, to come together and come against Jerusalem. So it could be in our lifetime. It could be at, right after we leave, after we're taken up. There could be a period before the Antichrist uh, forms this treaty with Israel and allows them to build their temple. There may be a gap of time there. We, it, could ha- it could happen there. We really don't know. But it doesn't matter because right now, at, at the end of that thousand years, he's going to raise them up again. And to me, it's amazing that after a thousand years of reigning, of Christ reigning on the earth, that there'll still be people saying, we will not have this man rule over us. He will be physically present. Think of the fool's errand. Think of the, the futility of that. Even Satan knows that he cannot win. Don't you think he's read the book? Believe me, the devil knows the Bible better than you and I do. That's why he quoted it to Jesus in his moment of temptation in the wilderness before his ministry began. Remember? What did the devil tell him? A bunch of uh, current events? No, he spoke to him the word of God, and Jesus responded with the word of God. That's a lesson for you and I. The devil knows the Bible really well. He likes to twist it, though. Has God really said you shall not eat of the tree? Oh, he knows that once you do, you're going to be just like him. Don't you want to be free from these restraints that he puts upon you? Can you hear the devil? Don't listen to him. Notice in verse 9, they went up, Gog and Magog, they went up on the breadth of the earth and they surrounded the camp of the saints and of the beloved city. Who is the beloved city? It's Jerusalem. Amen. Notice the swift and the final blow. It says that he surrounded the, the saints of the beloved city and notice, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Does that sound like a swift and just pounding of the fist? He rules with a rod of iron. And he's going to snuff this out very quickly, very quickly. This is Jesus ruling and reigning. Verse 10, it says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Finally, this, this one who has plagued all of us from beginning, from the beginning in the Garden of Eden up until, the, up until this time, even at the end of the thousand-year reign, boy, there's a lot of history he's had to deceive and to, and to be deceived. And the destruction and the horror that he has wrought upon a world the lives and the death, the deception, the hate. It's all going to come to an end. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire or brimstone where the beast, notice, where the beast and the false prophet are, <clears throat> Excuse me, and they will be tormented, what, just a couple of days, maybe a couple of years? No, day and night, forever and ever. Never forget that, folks. God loves, believe me, his love is insurmountable. But when he is about judgment, and he says forever and ever, the judgment is forever and ever. Don't let anybody fool you any other way. And don't let anybody twist your heart and say, well, that's not a God of love. Oh, yes, it is. That is a God of love. It's very much a God of love. He gives you the decision. How much more love can be that when you get to make a decision about something? To not be loving would be to say, you're going to be mine no matter what. I'm going to make you a robot and you just got to obey me. That's not love, is it? That's manipulation. Love is not manipulation. God loves and so he gives a choice. 
And then we reject him, and then we get angry at him and shake the fist because he sent us, or he allowed us to go to hell. It's because we chose to go there. He, had, he, he just basically, I agree with what you've chosen. Oh, and by the way, here are your works. All the things that you did, you deserve that place. But again, that's why I started, I prefaced the message this morning with the nature of God, the love of God. It's not his will that any should perish. Remember that. The lake of fire, this place we call Gehenna. We call it Gehenna because it's the place at the southern end of Mount Zion during the kings, during David's day and afterwards. There was a, if you go to Israel with us, you'll you'll remember you go down to the Gehon Spring and right around the corner down there at the very southern end of Mount Zion where David's palace was, there used to be a trash heap there. They call it the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. They also called it Gehenna. This is where the kings would burn their sons in the arms of Molech, a molten image. They would lay their kids in those things and kill them and sacrifice them to false gods. It was a trash heap, and it was a horrible place of death and idolatry. That's what this lake of fire is going to be like, except it's going to burn forever and ever. And remember, in Matthew 25... Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even created initially for man. It was originally created for them. For them. And now we get into verse 11. The great white throne judgment. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Notice that. The earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And the one who was sitting on the throne, I believe, is either it's either God the Father or Jesus Christ, but I believe it's Jesus, and we'll look at that a little bit later. But anyone who is at this judgment, this great white throne judgment, there will be no hope for them. There will be no hope. If you're standing at the white throne judgment, it's, it's because the, the sentence has already been decided. But to prove it to you, the books, and the book is going to be opened. The deeds that you've done will be shown to you. Notice at the end of that verse, it says, From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. This may be the time when this current heaven and current earth will be totally done away with. We see it in Isaiah. Isaiah says, All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heaven shall be rolled up like a scroll, and their host shall fall down. The leaf falls from the vine, and as, and as fruit falling from a fig tree. We see Isaiah talking about this end of the current heavens and the earth, and also Second Peter chapter 3. What does it say? For this is, they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth, standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world then existed, perished, being flooded with water. Notice, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, are now preserved, excuse me, by the same word, they are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. When the earth and the heaven flee away from this white throne, it could be that time when God says, he allows it to be dissolved with fervent heat. We know in, uh, in that same chapter, in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. The earth and the works in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, here's the exhortation to us. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved again, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. I think I get the point. Do you get the point? They're going to be vanished. They're going away. Because in chapter 21, hallelujah, next week, we're going to see a new heavens and a new earth. All of this stuff will be dealt with. Now we can move on into the eternal bliss of our king. I've been yearning to get to that chapter. Haven't really, uh, it's, been a hard, uh, it's been a hard time. Notice verse 12, and I saw the dead. These are the wicked dead. Small and great. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you are a, a poor person, whether you are a, a CEO of the biggest Fortune 500 company in the world. It doesn't matter. I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before God. They were standing at attention, ready to receive their sentence. And notice that books were opened, and another book was opened, singular, which is the book of life. So now we got a series of books, and then we have a book. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Do you think that everything that you've ever done, I mean, if you, if you reject Christ, do you know that everything that you've done in your life is being recorded in the book? Everything, every rejection, every wicked thought, every wicked deed is being recorded. God knows. He's got a perfect memory. He doesn't have a problem. He's not like a fancy computer. Believe me, Apple has nothing on God. His mind is perfect. He can recall dates, moments, milliseconds if he chooses to. That's the genius of who it is that we serve. I don't know about you, but that just jazzes me when I think of it. But this throne will be just, it'll be fair, unlike the lesser thrones that we see in the courts today, where men and women can be bought off, they can be bribed, (laughs) but not the kingdom of God. Not at this white throne judgment. There's nobody going to be able to stand up for somebody and say, uh, Hey, Lord, you know, if you let this guy off, remember that house in the Caymans that you wanted? And that fancy car and that nice account in Switzerland? I can make that all happen. Just let this guy off the hook. And the Lord will go, No. (laughs) You're going to be on the hook. There's going to be no bribing Jesus. The judgment will be holy and just. In Psalm 9 it says, But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. This white throne is for judgment. Not for believers, but for unbelievers. He shall judge the world, verse 8, in righteousness, and shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. See, that's who God is. He is upright. And notice these books, these records of dirty deeds. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap. Some of you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. There's a record of dirty deeds in these books, and then the book of life. And notice that these are going to be blotted out. Their names will be blotted out of the book of life. And see, you know what I love about God is I believe this, that when a person is conceived, even probably before, because God said to Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you. I believe that even before you're even born, God knows who you are, and he writes your name in a book of potential salvation. It's a book of life. And then there comes a point when you die, and you still rejected him, that your name is blotted out. Your name is blotted out. It reminds me of when in Exodus chapter 32, when the children of Israel had committed the idolatry of the, the golden calf, remember? 
And Moses is up on the mountain and he hears all this roar down there and they're having a big orgy down there around this golden calf. <laughs> and remember what Moses, he returned to the Lord and he said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will, forgive their sin. But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Moses knew that his name was written in there. But he says, Lord, forgive them. And what a heart of Jesus he had at that moment. Lord, forgive them, or else blot me out. And I'm so glad the Lord didn't honor that, because we know that Moses is in glory. Again, God will not cast anybody into the lake of fire. You will choose that. And notice that it won't be the opinion of God. It won't be his opinion, although he... It could be because he is trustworthy and he remembers all things, but your deeds will be shown. The record will be shown. It can be laid out for you. And perhaps that's what the Lord will do. Maybe he's able to do that just in his mind. He's able to lay before you as you stand before there, and you're just going to, all of a sudden, the, 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 the gravity of everything you've done is going to be known to you in an instant. And then you know there, there's, there's no hope. There is no hope at that point. There is no second chance. And see, this is the thing that Paul says that constrained him. As he went about ministering, it it constrained him. This is the thing that was on his heart, that he wanted to tell people about Jesus. He wanted to rescue them. He wanted them to be rescued by God. Is he really such a hard taskmaster? Is he really so bad? Is he such a bad master? Has he been good to you, even though you've gone through trial and tribulation? He loves you, and he loves me. Even though I go through difficulties, that will never change. He loves. He wants to reach people. That's what constrains us. And, and, And for me, that's one of the silver linings in this whole thing that we're talking about. You know, this death and judgment, and now we're seeing the end of it all coming now to fruition. All the ends are being tied up. We're going to see it today. If that doesn't provoke within me something, I have to check my pulse. Am I really alive? Am I really one of yours, Lord? Because how can I look at these things and know the end of it all and not be propelled, not be constrained by that love to share with others? Share with people out of love for Christ, not out of guilt. Ask God to give you a heart like his. You can't do it out of guilt, not out of anger. We've seen people do that. They stand on the corners, you're going to hell. Mm. You've seen people like that? I have. Like, wow, that sounds like a, a wonderful thing to get, get a hold of. I want that. No, I don't want that. Who would want that? Somebody screaming at you, telling you that you're, you're going to burn. I mean, really? Is that going to attract people? Yeah, it is a truth, by the way. But can you say the truth in love? I think we can. I think that's what God wants. Did you ever see him yelling at people, raising up a scroll and hitting them over the head with it and leaving the KJV imprint on their forehead? Because I'm sure that's the Bible that Jesus had was a KJV or NKJV. But what choice are you going to make? Some of you here know the Lord. Some of you don't. But let me tell you, you must come to Christ. You must be born again. There is no other option for you. 
the best and only option. Didn't Jesus say it to himself? We read it earlier. Choose life. Choose life. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Planned Parenthood has chosen death. But you choose life. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.